0: Montreal Canadiens Hockey,
1: Montreal Impact Soccer,
0: Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM
2: 690.
1: Hey, good Saturday morning. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still with you till noon. We've got a full show to get to. We're going to be talking a little World Series. Uh, NFL continues to make waves. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have quote-unquote bolstered uh, their roster. Uh, We will talk Montreal Impact Soccer as well. It is game day on TSN 690 with uh, Olivier Brett and myself. The Impact at Yankee Stadium tonight taking on New York City FC. And uh, there also is uh, a little development in the world of the uh, Montreal Canadiens that we will get to. Uh, But again, I'm Joey Alfieri. This is Saturday Sports, and I want to start with the World Series last night. The Los Angeles Dodgers took a two games to one lead after game three of the World Series yesterday. Starter Walker Bueller, terrific. Striking out 10, giving up just three hits. The Tampa Bay Rays continue to swing and miss, and they've done that all postseason but it's finally starting to become a problem for them. Outside of Bueller's performance on the mound, what stood out to me? Analytics in baseball have been talked about a lot in the last couple of years, and there's no doubt that in some sense, analytics are ruining the entertainment value of the game for fans. But how about the way the Dodgers were able to win last night? They got a couple of home runs, yes, but there was also more stolen bases from Mookie Betts and a safety squeeze by Austin Barnes. That was some fun stuff.
0: Now, a butt up the first baseline.
1: That
2: is going to score Bellinger. Choi, underhanded flip to Lau at first. And the Dodgers take a 4 nothing lead. Some small ball for the home run hitting champion Dodgers.
1: Small ball. I didn't see small ball. In it. like I, Going into last night, I did not think that I was going to see a safety squeeze or a suicide squeeze or... Just a bunt in general. Who's bunting anymore? Nobody wants to bunt. It's all about uh, the the power numbers and the strikeouts. And look, I I think it the World Series and and baseball. Like I, I think every, even if you are a casual baseball fan, I think you tune into the World Series. And there is no doubt that if your team you are in a market where there is no local team, like we are here in Montreal, during the regular season, you'll tune in here. You'll tune in there, but very rarely will you probably sit down and, and watch a full nine inning game, and that's that's the way I kind of approach the regular season now. I'll, I'll catch the beginning of some games, I'll catch the middle of some games, I'll catch the end of some games, but once you get to the postseason, this is must see stuff. But it's also just funny to me that now all of a sudden you know the analytics are are part of the baseball equation, and you know we've talked about it, you know especially it, it comes to light. World Series week or weeks, and you get into that hockey versus baseball analytics debate, and yeah, some people are worried that, you know, hockey is going to be taken over by analytics and it's going to ruin the sport like it does in baseball. I, I personally, I just I don't see that happening. I, I think it's just hockey is more of a free-flowing game with less stopping and starting, and there's just less room for analytics to take over that minute minute hockey game than it than it would in baseball but to see that last night that was a lot of fun and uh john i know you were watching and it just it, it was cool to see you know the the safety squeeze the stealing of bases even the dodgers i mean five of their six runs last night came with two outs uh that's cool too i mean anytime you can do some damage with two outs that's big um, but I know you I saw you tweeting up a storm. I know you were just as impressed as I was with uh, Walker Bueller. Actually, when you tweeted Walker Bueller's, uh, how good he was, yeah. I know I was watching live and uh, he gave up a double. I uh, know. The I first almost, hit in the. Fifth, I think it was a fourth or fifth. Yeah,
0: hit. I almost tweeted immediately. Sorry, Walker, because he <laughs> was working on a, I believe, uh, a no no before that. So uh, I am one of those superstitious people who believe in uh, if you say shutout, you've jinxed the shutout. So that is ridiculous. Apologies, apologies to Walker Bueller, but yeah, um, I love the opposite field. There was a whole bunch of opposite field action yesterday, whether it was yeah. Austin Barnes going to deep left or whether it was Max Muncy just barely poking the ball down the uh, down the third baseline and the shift having no one on there. It was pure shift beating baseball by the Los Angeles Dodgers last night and. Um, You did see a little bit more of the long ball than you saw in Game 1 when they won, which seemed like in Game 1 it was just RBI after RBI, single after single after single. You actually had uh, Turner and Barnes hit hit home runs, but Mookie Betts stealing bases – I feel like I agree with you that it was a nice throwback game for the Mitch Melnicks of the world, let's just say. <laughs> All the folks who have grown up for years with baseball and hate um, the uh, launch angle and how much the exit velocity is, last night just felt like kind of a throwback to 20 years ago uh, what happens in the World Series. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I don't even mind the, the shift that much. Like, I, I get it, and, and I understand why they do it. it. It can be a little annoying at times. But I think the most annoying thing for me anyway is just when you get all those, you know, the pitching changes and it's slow. and. Oh, I hate the shift just
0: because But it doesn't even look like
1: you're playing baseball anymore.
0: It's I like, know. okay, I want you to line up on half the part of the field. Right. That's what I love so much about watching last night was... What looked like, especially for Muncie, his single that he had that cashed in a run. Yeah, it looked like it should have been easily picked up by the third baseman, thrown out. Third baseman's not there. There's no one there. The the the, the Charlie Morton had to run to to just two, pick it up because there was no one there?
1: there. I thought two came in. there. Wasn't that the three? that gave him two nothing, three nothing, right? I believe so. Yeah. It was a two RBI. Uh, I believe so. two RBI uh, single.
0: But yeah, he was. Uh, I, I love seeing things like that because now. Um, I'm lucky in that my appreciation for baseball has developed over the last couple of years uh, because uh, one of my buddies is a former uh, Division One baseball player, okay. so he's actually instructed me as to how to appreciate baseball, right. and now I'm like cheering for <laughs> the anti-shift hits. Whenever there's a hit that beats the shift, I'm like, "This is terrific! This yeah. is the best baseball can get."
1: I, but again, it's I feel like you know just having watched. I just feel like the shift is more successful than not. And listen, there's a reason why they do it, right? Like, is it is the, you're putting the odds on your side, and that's what analytics is all about. I wonder. I was thinking this last night. I wonder if we ever get to the point where there's a major league rule where that says shortstop can't go over the other side of second base, and second base can't go over the other side of shortstop.
0: Well, Commissioner Rob Manfred actually said yesterday on the uh, Dan Patrick Show mm-hmm. that. Uh, he was thinking about limiting it and it could look at it could look as easy as you can't leave the sand if you go onto the grass that would be yeah that's interesting like, that like little tweaks like that right. I, I think would actually make sense for major league managers mm-hmm. who love the shift but um i'm a hater of it so if, if they could just ban it that'd be great yeah but that's just not gonna and happen.
1: i know there's people out there that say they're like oh well why don't you just why don't you just beat the shift yeah, I mean it's easier said than done. Like, it's like putting a ball at yeah. the play has become so hard in baseball. It just it seems, you know, you watch the regular season and it just seems like it's all strikeout, all home runs. And I mean obviously there's, you know, there's a little stuff in between, but it just more than ever. I mean, you see the Tampa Bay Rays, they're they're in the World Series. It's 2-1. I mean, 3 wins away from winning it all, and their strikeout rates are are incredible. Like I these are things that we've never seen before.
0: If you're if you're a left-handed hitter, you're trying to hit the ball theoretically between first and second. Mm-hmm. Like realistically, I know it seems easy to say, well, just hit it to Oppo field. Well, y- yeah, it, it sounds easy, but it's it's not easy. If you're a right-handed hitter, you're trying to hit it between second and third. And so if you switch the shift, there's never going to be a single ever. It's going to be doubles, 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 doubles. That's why you have the launch angle. That's where we are, where we are. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they uh, how they deal with this over the next coming y- couple of years because uh, it seems like it's finally grown into quite a cres- crescendo amongst uh, sports fans that the shift is uh, no bueno. Wow, crescendo.
2: The 0-2,
0: and there's a fly ball to left field. Well hit. It's got a chance, and it's gone. A home run. Austin Barnes, his first home run of the
1: postseason. And the Dodgers take a six to one lead. So Austin Barnes became the first catcher to have a is that a, a bunt, a sacrifice bunt that brought in an RBI and a home run in the same game. And the first player to do that since 1961 was Hector Lopez of the, of the 61 Yankees. <sighs> uh yeah, my dad was a, my dad <laughs> yeah. was a couple months old when that happened. Uh, just to give you an idea. so uh clearly i uh I was not around when that happened, but look again, and I think he was a left fielder Hector Lopez if I read correct. he was a corner outfielder anyway uh, but so the first time a catcher does that and i I also thought and you're obviously you're not gonna hear very much about this um but and everybody's gonna give Walker Bueller the credit, but I thought Austin Barnes, Uh, called a great game behind the plate for the Dodgers last night and Walker Buehler was just dealing and this was the first matchup like I was excited for game one just because you know there was all that build-up around Kershaw and whatnot Uh, but I felt like with Charlie Morton on the mound for the Rays with Walker Buehler on the mound for the Dodgers you had a chance, you know, it was going to be, you know, guys going deeper than just an inning or two. Like It wasn't going to be a repeat of what the Dodgers had in game two where you had seven pitchers and in seven innings or whatever it was. You had an opportunity to see two guys go head-to-head. And I was wondering going in, and for people who don't remember, uh, in the 26 uh, uh, World Series, the Dodgers played the Astros, and I think Charlie Morton started game four and then he pitched four he didn't start but he pitched four innings in game 7 of the World Series which the Astros won against the Dodgers and we all know what's come out uh, since then about you know the way the Astros cheated and you know the the hitting of the the garbage cans and all that stuff and so i was just i was fascinated to see you know how does charlie morton come out face these Dodgers again and charlie morton was one of those Astros that came out and said hey listen i knew what was going on and I regret that I didn't do anything about it when it came to the cheating scandal with the Astros. So I, it was just it was to me, it was just a little more old school. Uh, Charlie Morton got knocked around a little bit. The, the Dodger lineup got to him. Walker Buehler was fantastic. But I thought going in, there was an opportunity that we'd see the starting pitchers go deeper into the game than we have. And that's what we've seen. That, or that's what we yeah, ended up Yeah, it's pretty funny
0: seeing. to say that uh going deeper into the game is uh, six innings. Well, yeah. The, I was yeah. watching Walker Buehler play and I was like, man, are we going to see a complete like no. it, in the 5th. I was seeing I, I was thinking, are we going to see a complete game shutout because the the Dodgers had a bullpen day uh the game before and I was thinking that okay, well you have Walker Buehler go as long as he possibly can. He was throwing just like the, the ball explodes out of his hand and then he's able to Throw a, a knuckle curve and a slider, and you're just watching it and, and he makes everyone look absolutely foolish. So I was just yeah. waiting like, okay, please, let's have some Nolan Ryan like going into the eighth inning. They didn't, but uh, the Dodgers, they were able to keep uh, their their best relievers from uh, from going out there, and they handed it off to Kenley Jansen. but um I, I wish that I knew more about the art of pitching to to be able to properly dissect what Walker Bill did last night, yeah, because just watching it was was beautiful. Well, the, the four seam fastball was
1: the four seam fastball was a weapon last, like that was that was un, sometimes that was just it's not fair. It's like you know that it's coming and you just can't hit it. And again, like we talked about, the Rays swinging and missing. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. Look, I don't think the Rays are out of it. I picked the Dodgers to win the series. Uh either but this is what I wanna see, John. Uh either I want them to wrap it up in game five on Sunday, which we'll have for you on T S N six ninety tomorrow night, because Clayton Kershaw will be on the mound and I'd like to see Clayton Kershaw uh be on the mound for, you know, that the the game clinching or the clinching game in the World Series, or I wanna see it go seven because Walker Bueller's back on the mound that's Charlie Hundred percent <laughs> with you.
0: I would love to see Walker Bueller once again. But yeah, it would be it would be a nice little storybook ending if uh, if Kershaw can basically vanquish all of his previous demons. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think that it will go seven, and uh, then you're going to see the uh, the gas attack that is uh, Walker Bueller. Uh, step right back out onto the mound.
1: Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till noon. We will have more World Series talk uh, with uh, Fred Degg of the Canadian Press. He's also part of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Uh, he'll join us just after 11.35. But there's been some news in the National Football League. John, let me just take you back to March, okay? Is there anything else that is going to happen in this in this off Because there's speculation that Antonio Brown wants to come down there and play
0: with you. Now you know him a little bit, obviously from the Pittsburgh Steeler days. What's, what's the likelihood and AB gets back in Tampa? Because I know he has, or at least Tom has had an affinity for him because of his work ethic. You know, forget all the other antics, but just how he works on the field uh, and in practice is it's it's one of the it's it's top of the line. Yeah,
2: it's not going to happen. <laughs> just, ah, there you it's go. Not happen. There's, there's no room.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, um, you know and probably not enough money, but uh, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. It's not a fit here. Interesting. Well, there is room, though, because you lost Perriman. I don't know. if he's, If he says, I'm coming in on the veteran minimum, Coach, I just want to play with Tom, you still wouldn't find a way to get him in? No. Wow. Is well, it just because you don't trust the what he could do to the culture why so steadfast that you would not give it a chance yeah i just i just know i just know him and uh it's not a fit in our locker room. All right,
1: that's Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on CBS Network Radio. That was back in March. Asked about Antonio Brown potentially being a fit, and uh, I believe it's been finalized now. Antonio Brown has signed a one-year deal. I guess the rest of the season it's going to be uh, full of incentives. It's going to be a low-base salary, but Antonio Brown is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that leads right into our uh, Saturday sports poll question of the day, which you can find on Twitter at Joey Alfieri at TSN 690. Very simple. Do you like the Buccaneers' decision to bring in Antonio Brown? Um, All right. This is what I'll say about this. I want to preface all this by saying that I believe in giving people second chances because I do think that people make uh, mistakes at times. And right now, Antonio Brown is in the middle of serving an eight-game suspension, so he'd be eligible to return week nine if he clears the COVID-related stuff and if he hits all the protocols. Uh, Would I personally bring in Antonio Brown to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation right now? The answer for me is pretty easy, and it's pretty simple, and it's a no. You're coming off a huge win in the you know America's game of the week last week against a very very good Green Bay Packers team your receivers you have two stars by the way in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are both finally healthy so it's not a position of need and i know the third receiver Scotty Miller is banged up but they have gotten some production from other guys like Tyler Johnson who scored a touchdown last week Gronk is as slow as ever, but he seems to be, you know, finally rounding into form. He had a touchdown last week, too. The running game, led by Ronald Jones, has been outstanding. You also have Leonard Fournette. Your defense has been terrific. You're four and two. I just I don't know why you want to do this now. And here and here's the thing in defense of Bruce Arians. Tom Brady clearly pushed for this. He pushed to get Antonio Brown in New England last year, and it happened for a game. Antonio Brown played week two against Miami at 54 yards and a touchdown playing with Brady. And the relationship goes dates obviously before that game. Clearly, Brady thinks he can get the most out of Antonio Brown on the field and that he can manage him off the field. Now, I will say this about Antonio Brown. I don't know. Behind closed doors, what's been going on? But I can tell you, I do follow him on Instagram and on social media, and he's cleaned up his act in that regard. Because for a while, you know, he's serving suspensions, and it's it's all about you know a music video, and he's just he's making waves, and it's fine. Like I I don't mind the, the but the music video stuff, but then you have, you know, these he's live streaming. Uh, An altercation between he and the mother of his children with the cops there. You know, he's mouthing off to the police out in Florida outside his home. He's finally, like, he's quieted down on social media. But what happens now when Mike Evans comes out, has a big game, Chris Godwin comes out, has a big game, Gronk gets a couple targets as well, and Antonio Brown finishes with, you know, two catches, 30 yards, Three catches, 35 yards. You know, we saw last week, and this is one of the things I I appreciate about Mike Evans. Last week, Mike Evans, one catch, 10 yards. The Buccaneers beat the Packers. You didn't hear a peep out of Mike Evans. Maybe Antonio Brown's learned a lesson. Maybe, you know, he's realized that this this is it. This is the last opportunity for him in the NFL. And so maybe he falls in line you know, with the Buccaneer away, and he doesn't cause distractions. Maybe, but the Buccaneers don't know that for sure. I don't know that for sure. I don't even know if Antonio Brown knows that for sure. But a reminder that Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown was there. He's called Antonio Brown a diva, and just in March, you heard the clip on the way in. In March, he said that it wasn't a fit for the locker room. Now, again, Brady clearly is the one pushing for this. But I just, I don't know if this is one of those times where you have to stand up to Brady and say, listen, Tom, things are going well right now. And listen, maybe injuries happen. But things are going well right now. The defense is balling out. The offense is finally starting to hum. Maybe we just let him go to Seattle. And yes, that's an NFC rival. I, first of all, I don't even know why the Seahawks were linked to Antonio Brown because that offense is en fuego. That defense is brutal. So the Baltimore Ravens just got Yannick Ngakwe, the defensive lineman who had just been traded from Jacksonville to Minnesota. And Ngakwe is a fantastic player. I think if you're Seattle, I'm not sure why you didn't go for Ngokwe instead of chasing after Antonio Brown when you already have D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I just I don't get these aren't the the teams that are off to great starts whose offenses are humming. I don't get why this is the move that you would want to make, even if Russell Wilson and Tom Brady are lobbying for this guy to come in. It's just it's too high risk, and he's 32 years old. He's played one game since the start of 2019 i i just i i don't understand why you would take this high risk chance when your offenses are already starting to play well and have been playing well i don't get it
0: Uh, I think I'm with you almost 90% on this and that if I were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I would not have gone anywhere near Antonio Brown, uh, especially because not only that the weapons at tight end. I mean, I know Howard's out right now, but Cameron Brate is a more than exceptional backup tight end behind Rob Gronkowski probably should start ahead of Gronkowski anyways, um, Bucks have to win the Super Bowl now. I mean, but, th- but I don't this think, is the one th- that puts them over the top. But I don't think I that, think they're
1: already in the mix.
0: I know, but now, like, you could have thought that because of the deal that Brady signed, it's like, okay, this is the year that you kind of feel everything out. And next year, next year is the year because you need a year to develop chemistry, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I expect them now to deal a first or second round pick before the trade deadline's over and bring in another pass rusher. Or another corner, or another safety. But like, why? But I, the defense is
1: the defense is balling out. Yeah, and then I mean. Shaq Barrett why was the sack add? leader in the NFL last year, and he's
0: been relatively quiet this but year. But you're seeing that now is that they're just going to keep adding? In, this is the, the they're doing like kind of what the Eagles did years and years ago, where it was like that all star super team. And that what happened? Never to that ever. Well, I mean, Tom Brady's not Vince Young. Let's just say that. But they brought in Mike Vick, right? that's right well they who was the uh they brought in uh, amukamara from uh oakland it was yeah. all these not amukamara sorry um gosh i forget what that corner's name was um but <laughs> I, I expect <laughs> i them... have the name right on the tip of I my know. tongue
1: you said amukamara,
0: and amukamara, you amukamara i was like no way he played for the giants um but yeah i expect them to add even more now this is basically super bowl or bust this season that's it that's Asamoah. the way i, I Totally. I just... You you said... As soon as I said it, I was like, that's just not right. That's just not right. But um, yeah, uh, I expect them now to be uh, very, very active before the trade deadline, and uh, you're basically going all in on this
1: season, if you're the Buccaneers, based on this move. But trades in football, John, oh, I don't know, man. There's like... it's it's It it doesn't work the same as in hockey, and I don't know. Like, listen, injuries happen, Mm -hmm. but trades in football... It's just different. You've got to learn a new system. You've got to learn new terminology. I guess on defense, a little bit different. I just I don't know why you want to take... Like, I get your quarterback is lobbying, but the head coach is clearly not on board. Right? Like, clearly, if well, Bruce yeah, Arians thinks that that he's a diva, and if he thinks that Antonio Brown isn't a good fit in March... Well, then there's a very good chance he thinks that he's not a good fit now. Tommy's going out on a limb, and he's vouching for Antonio Brown here. Yeah, I mean, but Bruce Arians on was, Tommy.
0: Bruce Arians was also in Pittsburgh when Ben Roethlisberger was quite the diva as well, and he was in charge of keeping Big Ben. Like the, There was a pure diva franchise at the time with Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger and Martavis Bryant. I mean, he's been around these guys, so so he might know, but Bruce Arians at the time might have felt like, I don't need to manage this. They win? Did they, they did win? not win. They did not win. But uh I think that you're basically gonna have Antonio Brown living out of Tom Brady's house. Uh, this is Tom Brady. Tom that's Brady, fine, but this is Tom Tom Brady, Tommy now. Tom Brady, I you are picking Antonio Brown up on the way to practice. You are dropping him off at home. You're tucking you are him in eating, at night. You are eating dinner with him. Like that's it. You're gonna have you to babysit this guy. Hopefully you don't have to, but everything that you've seen throughout his career believes that I mean Kind of indicates that that is going to have to be the case for I hope, Tom Brady. I hope that Antonio Brown
1: has learned a lesson. I really do. So do I. I don't think he has at all. But, but. I, do, I don't know. I'm not going to go out and make any— assi- I just My point is, I just—I wouldn't take the risk. And again, that is our poll question heading into the show today. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till noon. Is Do you like the Buccaneers' decision to bring in Antonio Brown? Uh, John, this is the point of the show where I ask you to guess— what the results are on the poll question? It's just a very simple yes or no. Sixty-five percent are leaning one way. Oh, it's no. It's no. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. Yeah. And I don't. I. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't disagree uh, with our very, very intelligent uh, <laughs> audience uh, texting us <laughs> at eleven six ninety, which you can do. Vas is done here. He says it's only a one-year deal. He gives Tom Brady a deep threat, or he says TB, so it could be Tampa Bay or Tom Brady, a deep threat. He stretches the D. Uh, Again, that's from Vass, uh, who's texting us from Montreal. Yeah, I get. No, I get what he does on the field. I get what he does on the field. I just, I don't know if I would. uh, I don't know what the upside is if you're bringing this guy in to be your third wide receiver behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I I just, I don't know that I would be willing to risk the disruption of the uh, of the locker room harmony.
0: Tom is betting this all on one game against the Dolphins last year.
1: Well, listen, but they clearly <laughs> like each like They're clearly boys. So I, I understand you going to bat for your boy, but you're, again, you're coming off a big win, and the offense is finally starting to pick up, and a big part of that is because you're running the ball so well. So we'll see uh, what happens there. We've got some more football talk coming up. What happens if the CFL doesn't come back for the 2021 season? Could it fold? How do we make sure a season happens, NFL and CFL player agent, Sasha Gavami will tell us. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Hey, it's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. Uh, We will talk a little more World Series with uh, Fred Degler just after uh, 1130. He's from the Canadian Press. He's also a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Uh, He'll join us. And he actually has a book out. He 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 has a book coming out in April. Chips, peanuts, Cracker Jack, Savoureuse histoire des expos. So I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to dump, to jump into that uh, Montreal Expos book. I like the Montreal Expos books. It's just so They're funny fun. for
0: me that the the baseball writers of America like it sounds like. in But the, why is it B B? I know. Like, you I, I don't need understand the, the beef for a, the base and the ball. I'm kind of thinking of like like in dodgeball when yeah. they say the American Dodgeball Association of America. That's how mm-hmm. I feel about when they say it. I'm like. Of, of of course. I, I don't understand why you have to throw the America in there. Yeah. But, uh, hey, that's why uh, I have nothing to do with that. So <laughs> there you go.
1: He's John Still. I'm Joey Alfieri. We're with you uh, till noon on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, texting us at 1160. We we're just talking about uh, Antonio Brown going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we have uh, Tony Kaye who says, My fantasy football team very excited about Antonio Brown signing with Tampa Bay. And uh, and yeah, I I responded to Tony by saying that uh, as somebody who was Mike Evans and Gronk, I'm less than thrilled. I think Mike Evans will be okay, uh, but uh, I think the Gronk targets might come down. I, I don't. Oh, see, so like, now like I understand you had
0: ulterior fantasy motives. Now I get I'm, why you were abso- why you were complaining so much. Absolutely
1: not. Uh, joining us right now talk about a little we'll talk a little NFL but want to talk some CFL as well he's NFL and CFL player agent Sasha Gavami Sasha what's going on
2: how are you Joey
1: I'm doing fantastic anytime you come on the show is is a great day for me I couldn't even sleep last night I was that excited
2: that's amazing glad to hear it happy to be a part of the show
1: okay I'm not going to ask you about the the Antonio Brown signing per se but as an agent who's negotiated some big deals in the NFL and in the CFL what type of language might we expect in this deal? Like, we know it's a low uh, base salary, but what type of like performance bonuses do you think we're looking
2: at? I mean, I think it's going to be a, you know, I read a couple of reports, but typically, knowing how the Bucks also do contracts and, and the type of deals Mike Greenberg and his staff, you know, that they do over there is going to probably be a minimum type deal with some incentives. We're talking about, you know, probably some performance incentives based on. Receiving yards, maybe some power, maybe some touchdowns, receptions, um, just to see. and like, if you produce and you come back to a to a level that we think you can come to, you're going to get compensated for it. Um, and also, the, one thing that's interesting is with the way the Bucks team is is put together this year, they're obviously going for the Super Bowl. Is going to be language in there if, if he's a part of the team and he plays a certain amount of percentage of snaps and and they end up winning the, the NFC Championship, pardon me, or they end up winning the Super Bowl, you can get bonuses like that, too. So, for example, you say, if you were part, if you play uh, 25% or 50% of the snaps on offense, and uh, you participate, and we win the NFC Championship, you can get a bonus there. So, probably backloaded uh, more for Antonio Brown to hit some, some good numbers if the team has success, because if the team has success, then it, it means that the signing, well, at least it didn't hurt anything, right? So, ultimately, it, it justifies paying a little bit more, and... And obviously, there's production on the field, so I haven't seen the contract, but I'm guessing it's going to be around those terms.
1: And for those who don't know, uh, you of course you've dealt with the Bucks because Antonio Claire, the tight end, is with Tampa Bay. Is this year four for him in Tampa? Uh, I know he's been out with an injury. Is it is it turf toe, Sasha? How's he How's he doing?
2: No, it's not turf toe. He's close. Um, he practiced this week all week. Um, you know, we're looking at coming off IR pretty soon. Um, I don't want to speculate on when, but mm-hmm. the fact that he started practicing basically, the team's got about. Well, they had 21 days as of when we started practicing to get him off IR. So, let's say about 17 days now. Um, we're we're very close, if not already there, to a full recovery. So, it should be should be back on the field soon for the Bucks.
1: He's an NFL CFL player agent, Sasha Gavami joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. All right, before we jump into some uh, some CFL stuff, uh, just wanna. Get your thoughts on how the NFL has handed, handled this COVID situation. Uh, I know they've had to move some games around. There's been like Monday at 5, there's been games. Tuesday night, there's been games. Overall, uh, how do you feel about the way they've handled it? And would you have done anything differently than, than what they've done?
2: No, I think ultimately they've done the best they could with the hand they've been dealt. You know, I think that they've been taking this, the COVID protocols very seriously um i'll give you an example ryan hunter who got cut by the chiefs was now on the Chargers practice squad yeah. when he worked out you know we went for the workout where the Chargers had to show up a few days before isolate himself in a hotel do covid testing every day do the workout and then when you come back and you do the practice squad same type of thing so it's just very strict um i think it comes up on players to be disciplined it comes on management to enforce the rules and to be disciplined in the locker room and coaches to follow by example i think coaches Could have done a better job. Not not everyone, but a little bit in setting the example. We've we've seen coaches get fined on the sidelines for not respecting the mask usage and stuff. And those are examples you want to follow. You need to have your coaches um, really set the tone there. But ultimately, I think that um, in in general, the league has done a good job. It's not it's not easy. In cases in the US, they're up to eighty thousand a day. If you're going to play football in this context, you have to expect cases and you have to expect how to handle them. And they've been lucky so far. And since yes, games have been postponed, but. You know, I know they pre- they predicted a week eighteen. Let's hope they don't have to go to week twenty or week twenty one because TV deals are a big part of why they're they're going forward with this. Is there's a lot of money if they many people say for the owners, but don't forget if revenues go down, who's going to hit the impact? Is going to be the players and the salary cap. So it, you know, we all have to work together and trying to find a way to make this work. This year,
1: do you think the Super Bowl, which is currently scheduled for February seventh, if you had to bet a week's pay, Sasha, do you think the Super Bowl is happening on February seventh?
2: Mm, I don't think so. Um, I hope so. I don't think it's going to be a huge change. There might be like a week delay, I think, ultimately, when you think about it. I mean, right now, the way it's set up, I think they won't have a choice but to do the Week 18 if it continues like this. And if they're lucky, they won't have any more cases. But realistically, if there are more cases, you might have to end up pushing games to Week 19, and that just then that affects your playoff schedule. So, um, you know, you can't have teams playing two play, two games, before, or one season, one playoff game, or two playoff games within the uh, four days of each other. That's mm-hmm. not a good competitive uh, nature of the sport. So you might see the, the Super Bowl get postponed a week, but I don't think you're going to see a postponed until June. I think it might just be a week or two at the latest.
1: All right. Uh Speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, Kansas City Chiefs defending champs. Laurent Duvernay-Tardzif is your client as well. Uh What's up with Laurent? What can you tell us?
2: Laurent's been doing good. I mean, it's been it's been a weird year, obviously, winning the Super Bowl, not playing this year. But, I mean, he, he made a big decision, a tough decision, and he's, he's very... uh He's very at, at peace and he's very happy with the decision he made. He, he's comfortable. He's working in a long term care facility right now and he's studying at Harvard. So he's helping out patients. There's a dire need right now in Quebec at the long term care facilities, working as an orderly and as a nurse and even as a bit of a, doing some medical stuff too as a doctor almost uh, without being a doctor, just helping out the doctors on, on hand. And, and uh, you know, we're studying public health at Harvard. So I think he's doing his part, very really proud of what he's done and showing that he's done his part in the community to try to help us get through this pandemic and as they, you know, decided to sacrifice an NFL season uh, to do that. So uh, I'm, I couldn't be more pleased and more proud.
1: NFL CFL player agent, Sasha Gavami joins us on Saturday sports on TSN 690. Um, all right. I want to move on to the CFL here. Uh, what does a CFL agent do when there's no CFL season?
2: I mean, you know, check on the players. It's a good question. Joe. I mean, you got to check on the players, see how they're doing. I'm pretty proud of my guys. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm I'm proud of my guys' resiliency and seeing how a lot of them are at school or find work, or, you know, starting their after careers. And, and that's that's very, you know, impressive for me. And, and I think that hats off to them because we don't talk enough about it, but being able to turn around and understand that this is going to be tough times and to focus on, you know, looking at what you want to do. Some have studied in business, some studied in athletic athletic therapy, uh, some got into coaching. So they're all finding ways to, to really make the most out of a bad situation. And also, on the side, I try to see the ownership group and the commissioners ready to so that have a plan I mean we're getting to November if this training camp's open in six months. we don't have a plan yet you know uh, i don't we don't know what's going on. I wish I knew but uh besides, uh, besides the besides being proud of the players and getting discouraged with how
1: the commissioners handling things, uh, you know, there's not much else you can do. Because, I mean, Sasha, look, I know the season would be winding down and we're getting ready for the playoffs here if there would have been a 2020 season. But, you know, they were asking me this week, you know, on the show on, on Melnick in the afternoon, like how quickly does there need to be a resolution here for the 21, 2021 season to happen? And it's like, well, free agency is the like the middle of February – and you're going to have a ton of guys hit the market because there's a bunch of contracts that are going to expire because the the last year of contracts for the 2020 season, you know, they don't roll over. Like you got to have something done well before mid-February, do you not?
2: Of course, you need to have a plan. You should have had a plan by now. There's, I mean, you 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 announced it. Joey, when did they announce that they weren't going to play? Was it August?
1: August, November? yeah, August. You
2: know, August. So you have to you have to since August to figure this out. That's all you got to do. You got to figure this out. I mean, you got—you got, you cannot think the pandemic is going to go away in May of 2021. If that happens, that, great, what a bonus. But you got to plan as if you cannot have people in the stands or very limited people in the stands. How will you do it? How will you do it? There, there's no other way. And and we're still like we've been in the dark since this whole thing started, Joe. And we're yeah. still in the dark, and we're going to continue being in the dark mm-hmm. until proven otherwise. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with free agency. We don't even know what's going to happen with the draft. We don't know what's going to happen for next season. The draft picks from this year, in 2020, don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's really, really discouraging because in a lot of facets and a lot of phases of life right now, a lot of people are hanging on to hope and, and seeing leadership, and, and you don't see that, and you get frustrated because you don't know what the plan is. Now, I've read reports that they've been talking, the Board of Governors have been meeting and all that. Yeah. Sure, and I get that you can't share every little detail from those meetings, but you can at least show some some directions of where are we going? At least tell us what the plans will be. There, there's, there's no uncertainty in the sense that there's a pandemic. So even if there is none, great. But if there is a pandemic, how do you go with it? And right now we don't have a plan, and players don't know, and we're still in the same limbo we were in, in August, in July, in June, in May, and, and, and we're getting into November, and we're still in the same limbo. I mean, how do you explain that? You can't. Nobody can explain that it's
1: unbelievable yeah and look I know the commissioner takes a lot of the bullets uh, but the board of governors has got to be on the hook you know they've got to take some of this blame as well um the, the the thing that kind of the thing that has me worried is you know Sasha it's one thing to miss 2020 and uh you know I know you're not you know you don't just work uh, with the around the CFL I know you're a CFL fan as well and you grew up watching the game and I'm very much in the same boat as you. Uh, and it's disheartening to not have a season, but I can't imagine going two full years without a season, and then being able to come back. Like they've got, and the thing that kind of freaks me out a little bit now is, you know, you're seeing the NHL came out and said, you know, the bubble costed them seventy five to ninety million dollars, and the the NBA bubble was even more expensive than that. There's a chance the CFL is going to have to go into a bubble here, whether it's Edmonton, Winnipeg. I don't care where, anywhere out west. There's a chance they're going to have to do that. Can they afford that?
2: Well, listen, uh, you can't afford not to play in 2021. You need to play. You can't afford to go another season without playing. But I got to be honest with you, Joey. If you want this league to, if you want to have a fighting chance, owners need to put up some money, and you need to understand that you know this ownership and this, these owners. I understand that it's a lot of money, and I, I this is. You know, it's their right to do what they want with, with their own with their own earnings. But you know, when you invest in a business, you decide if you want in hard times, you reinvest in it or you let it die. And I think that's where it's going to come down to because there's going to be a lost revenue in 2021, and you need to know are the owners ready to put the money in to ensure stability, or they're or they're going to let or they're going to try to t- cut their losses. And I think that's going to be the owner's decision at this at this at this stage there's no other way you can put it there, there's not, there's nothing the players can do more yes they'll probably end up taking pay cuts yes they'll probably end up bringing the salary cap down yes we'll make we'll make compromises i'm sure we we'll, we won't have a choice but but the only way i see this working is if there's i mean federal funding one thing but you can't just look at the federal funding you have got to look at if are the what are the owners willing to put in to try to save this league
1: yeah and i think we had this conversation on the air a couple months ago it was over the summer and and I felt very strongly, Sasha, about what you're saying now. But I thought the only way—I didn't think they were going to get, you know, however much they asked for from the government, the federal government, the first time. I felt very strongly that the only way that we would have a 2020 season is that if the if the owners, you know, they they bite the bullet and and fork out some money out of their own pocket. And clearly, they weren't willing to do that. Then I don't understand why they'd be willing to do that now in 2021, though. I
2: mean, like, what's changed? Because because this. Because this survival of the league is at stake, simply put. I mean, you can say, you can argue, Joey, that if you don't play in 2020, the league can survive. But I don't think right. you can argue that you can survive if you don't play in 2021. And I'm a very optimistic person in life in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but when it comes to this, uh, the CSL is not a league that runs on hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And if you cannot play for two straight seasons, I don't see how you can recover those losses. You need to find a way to playing. Everybody needs to chip. Everybody needs to chip in. It has to come from everybody: the players, the owners, um, the fans, the TV, the, the, the networks. You know, Bell Media, TSN. They're gonna have to chip in. Like, if they want the league to survive and not have a league end, not to sound dramatic, but I think it's time to come to those conclusions. You're gonna need everybody to work as a team, and I can't wait for the day. And I hope I see them in the CFL because I haven't yet. Can't wait for the day to see the owners sitting on the same side of the player union, same side of the commissioner, on one on the, in front of the cameras and explaining all together what the what, what the plan is. Why don't we see that? Right. How come we don't see that? This is not a labor issue. This is a survival issue. Mm-hmm. If you don't plan it accordingly, you've got to work as a team. In negotiations, you know, Amy to the ones, and she's one she worked for the Raiders for a long time. She said, "I hate it when people say negotiations is sitting one side across from each other at the table. It should be both sides sitting on the same side of the table because you're working together for a common goal. And you can argue that in, in contract negotiations, you can argue that's back. You know, that's neither here nor there. Sometimes it has to be a bit conflictual. But in this type of situation, there's no need. This is a pandemic that's affecting everybody. If we find a solution to this, everybody wins. So this frustrates me, Joey. I think you could tell, but I mean, I'm just, I just me off. I mean, I just feel like." This whole thing has run so poorly that, that, and and we're looking at uh, six months from now in a situation where, oh, we even have a league. And I grew up a fan. You're, you're, you know, I still am a fan. You're a fan. We all all are passionate about it because we care. But let's just hope to see this type of passion and this type of thing from the different levels of ownership and, 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 and the union, everybody involved.
1: He's NFL CFL player, player agent Sasha Gavami joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. All right, if you had an opportunity to, to speak to the commissioner outside of getting a concrete plan like you've mentioned, uh, what's one thing that you would like to ask him, like one thing that you'd want cleared up?
2: I mean, I'd, I'd like to – well, I mean, plan is the big thing. Right. But I'd like communication. I'd like better communication, Joey. I'd like better communication. I think that you, you – you, it's like anything in life, right? With your wife, with your family, with your friends, with your employer. When you communicate, things are better. So, so if you don't communicate, how do you expect players and everybody to be calm? You can't. So you need to communicate. That's all I want. And that's all I've been asking. I mean, I've been, I rarely go public with these things. I rarely get publicly upset or do Twitter rants, I don't, it's not my nature. Mm-hmm. But this frustrates me because there is a lack of communication. Communicate to tell me that we're in a disaster situation. I got no problem with that. I can handle it, but don't just keep me in the dark.
1: Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. And listen, it's different for me. I'm not on the business side. I'm you know I'm on the media side, and um, yeah, man it's it's been a it's been a frustrating process. And uh, and uh, look, I just I hope. You know, the bottom line is, I hope that you guys who are involved on the business side, I hope you guys get the communication you're looking for. And for us, like for media and fans, I mean, I just, I want a little bit of clarity as well. Like, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. And I think, I realize that it's not hundreds and hundreds of million dollars um, that this league is running on. But I do think that the people who do support this league throughout the country, I think they're very loyal and they deserve better than what they've gotten.
2: Who couldn't agree more? Couldn't agree more. It needs to change. Needs to change quick. Sasha okay, you ain't gonna get this done during Christmas, so you need to find a way to get it done quickly.
1: Okay, when when do you think we'll get clarity? Like, at what point when, do you think we'll get when it? Do I think? Yeah, when do you think we'll get some clarity think, on twenty twenty one?
2: Unfortunately, I think it's gonna happen only in the new year. I hope it'll be in November, but I don't think it's gonna happen before the new year. Mm. Unfortunately.
1: Sasha, thanks for doing this, man. Your your passion really came across, and uh, I think that was uh, obvious to those uh, those of us who are listening. We appreciate you taking the time, man, and all the best to you and your clients uh, heading into 2021, right?
2: Appreciate it. Thanks, Joey. That's NFL
1: and CFL player agent Sasha Gavami. A very, very passionate uh, rant, and well, it wasn't a rant. It was a conversation, but I, I feel... Where he's coming from, because again, look, I don't have money at stake. You know, I'm I'm not part of the business side of this, but as somebody who has supported the league from a very very young age, and I think those of you who listen to the station regularly uh, know how passionate I am about the CFL and Canadian football in general. I'll like I'll be honest with you, like over the last couple months, like there's a part of me. I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but there's a part of my, you know, passion for the CFL that's kind of died and I don't know if it's coming back. Like I'll always love the league, I'll always watch, I'll always pay attention. I'll always be a dot, but there's like I'll, I'll full transparency. I had a vote for the CFL team of the decade. And I started doing some research and I started putting my team together, spoke to players, spoke to general managers, spoke to a whole bunch of coaches, a whole bunch of different people and I'll be honest with you, it was due by last month sometime in September. I, I just I, I didn't have the heart to fill it in like I, I didn't have a heart the heart to submit it even after doing all the legwork and doing all the research like there's no season this year. that's crazy it, we're going on a year. Since I've been to a football, a Canadian football game live. And never would I have thought that the CFL would be the only league not to come back. And I get the money thing, I do. But the Canadian Premier League, the new soccer league that's only a couple years old, they found a way to come back. Everybody else found a way to come back. But the Canadian Football League didn't. And I'll be honest with you. It hurts. it hurts because there's a lot of people who want to support local football in the province and in the country. And yes, I've've I've watched classic games and've I've done all that, but like I've kind of reached my boiling point too, and I, I just want some clarity from the commissioner and from the board of governors as well. And I really, really, really don't think that's too much to ask for. Because every other league has either come back or they've given their fans, media, partners, they've given them clarity. And I think it's time for the CFL to do the same thing. All right, we'll be back Saturday, Sports TSN six.